Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, Jim Richards, I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know something? This is a new year. This is a new day, and you can have a new life. You know something? I'm sharing some things with you all of January, and actually I'm going to extend it into part of February because this is so absolutely essential. But I'm sharing some things with you about how to have a new start. I'm talking about a true new start. Not a new start where you drag all your failures from the past into it. Not a new start where you're still struggling with all this stuff behind, but I mean a very real new start because Jesus taught us how we can begin any day we want to and establish the perfect will of God in our life. Now remember, when we're talking about the will of God, perfect will of God, we're nearly always thinking around the terms of doing the will of God, of us doing the will of God. And that's fine because we want to do the will of God. We want to walk where God's leading. We want to not just walk in God's Word, we want to walk in God's Word as He is leading us to apply it in our lives every day. But don't worry so much about doing the will of God until you first discover what the will of God is toward you. You see, because the will of God toward you is health, wholeness, happiness, peace, joy. All of the things that you're trying to find some way to get into your life, things that you're probably wearing yourself out, things you're working too hard to try to get, things you're trying to get the faith for, are all things that God wants you to have. But the great thing is, you know what, you can, you can try to have the promises of God by the sweat of your brow. You can try to have the promises of God by circumventing and bypassing God, which is always going to be a mess. Or you can learn to have all of the blessings of God, the perfect will of God towards you, and it's grace and peace and joy. It's, it's all about something that's easy and light, and that's where, that's where God wants you to flow. So, Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Now, I, I just got to tell you, what Jesus taught the disciples about praying is nothing like we have been taught to pray in, in the 21st century, or really nothing like we have been taught to pray pretty much for the last 2,000 years. You know, it's an amazing thing to me. You know, Jesus taught with authority, and, and people recognized, and they said, you know what, he, he, he doesn't teach like these other teachers. Uh, he taught, he teaches as somebody who has authority. In other words, somebody who is confident, confident in what he says, but also someone who gets results. And so Jesus taught like someone who had authority, <clears throat> but he also prayed like someone who had authority. And so Jesus had a prayer life that that really uh, uh, conveyed into his ministry, if you will, uh, giving him a successful ministry. But even more importantly than a successful ministry, it gave him a successful, effective life. And so the disciples are like, look, we, we got to understand how you pray. We don't, we don't know how to pray like you pray. We haven't ever seen anybody pray like you pray. We've never seen anybody get the results in prayer that you get. Now, here's the problem. The moment I start thinking or talking about prayer, your mind is going to go back into all the definitions that you have about prayer. 
everything you've ever heard, everything you've ever been taught about prayer, that is where you're going to go, and that's what you think I'm going to be talking about. I don't know how you're going to do it. Uh, I, I, well, here, I'll tell you a good way to do it. You're going to have to get you a substitute word for, for prayer. You know, when I, when I was a, a, a new believer, I still do this. I don't have to do it as much as I used to. But when I was a new believer, and I would come across a word that meant something to me in the Bible. In other words, like the word salvation. Some of you have heard me talk about this. You know, for the first couple of years or first several years I was saved, salvation was just defined as being born again. You know, getting your sins forgiven. coming, You know, becoming a child of God. And so every time I would read the word saved, I would apply it as if that's what it meant, which, which would mean that how I interpret it, everything that was written around the idea of getting saved always just had to do with getting born again. You know, I went to a Baptist church for about the first 18 months. I was saved. Great Baptist church. I don't have any criticism for them. My point here is not to be critical, but every single Sunday you heard a message about how to get saved. And getting saved was getting born again. Well, when you understand that the definition of the word saved, yes, it has to do with getting born again, but it also has to do with being healed, uh, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart, all of these aspects uh, of, of kingdom living, then you, you realize that these verses that I have been translating in my mind to talk about the new birth have actually been talking about kingdom living, have been talking about something bigger than just getting born again. They've been talking about a quality of life, all that's provided in the realm of salvation. And so when I would read a scripture that used the word saved, I would never say saved. I would say, he that, you know, he, he that believeth and confess shall be saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart. Why? Because I knew if I didn't do that, that... I would unintentionally limit my understanding of the scripture that I was reading. So you're going to have to come up with a word for prayer. Every time you hear me say pray or prayer, here's what you might want to do. Is when you hear me say the word pray, why don't you do this? Why don't you, why don't you say uh, connecting uh, to the kingdom of God? are connecting to the Father. Come up with something that is meaningful to you because what you're going to discover in the way that Jesus taught the disciples to pray is, man, nowhere in there, and Jesus teaching us to pray, nowhere in there did He teach us to ask God to give us the things that we need. In fact, He told us just the opposite. He said, you don't even really have to worry about that. He said, look, God knows what you need. You don't, you don't need to pray like the Gentiles. You don't need to pray like other people. He says, you just need to use your authority as a child of God. You need to use your authority and you need to establish in your life what God has already done for you in heaven. Is, is that simple? So, even though we're going to be talking about prayer, I'm telling you, this is not prayer like you've ever heard of. It's not prayer like you've ever thought of it. And this is the way, what I'm going to be teaching you about prayer, is the way to make a resolution, to set a goal, or really to decide any new journey that you want to make in your life and be able to do it and, and do it by the grace and the power of God 
in a way that is not by the sweat of your brow, in a way that keeps you on a track where you're deeply and intimately connected to God. So, man, we're, we're, we're making a journey. And remember, the real goal here is to have heaven on earth because that's, that's what Jesus taught us to pray. That's what Jesus, and by the, remember, by the word pray, he didn't teach us to ask God to do it. You know, when we think about everything about prayer, I, I tell you, there's very few, very few things about prayer that we don't have backwards or upside down. You know, uh, we pray for the sick, for God to heal them instead of speaking healing to them like Jesus did. He's our model. Why don't we do it like he taught? Instead of praying the way Jesus taught us to pray, we pray the way our favorite preacher teaches us to pray. Instead of, instead of praying like Jesus taught us to pray, we pray like our denomination prays. It's amazing to me how we reject what Jesus taught us to do. We reject how he taught us to do things. And then we're amazed that we're not getting the same kind of results that, that he got. Well, listen, if you want to get the kind of results Jesus got, you got to do things the way Jesus said to do them. You got to follow his teaching. He is our Lord. We are his disciples. Now, in teaching about how to pray, one of the very first and, and really one of the foundational things that you have to do for any part of your life to work properly is to connect to God as Father. This is so crucial. You know, when Jesus said that, 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 we, that we should pray, and he said, you know, we shouldn't recite this. We shouldn't think God's going to hear us just because we say the words. Uh, he was telling us, things that we needed to do if we wanted to have the kind of prayer life that, that he had. And one of the things that he started was uh, the very first place is our Father who is in heaven. Now, this, this can't be used as a vain repetition. It can't be something that is just stated because really he is telling us, and, and this is how the Hebrew teachers of his day would teach. They would, they would, they would give you this list of topics and, and then usually come back and expand on those topics. But besides that, Jesus spoke in Aramaic instead of in Greek, and these people understood a lot more about what he was saying than we understand when we read something that's been translated from Aramaic to Greek, from Greek to Latin, from Latin to English, and with every one of those translations, is, is degraded somewhat, or our comprehension has changed over the years. But Jesus is just basically saying, we have to before we deal with any other aspects of prayer, we have to connect to God as our Father. Now, immediately you might say, I know God's my Father. I mean, I, I call Him Father all the time. Listen, connecting to God as Father and knowing God as your Father is two totally different things. See, knowing God your Father academically means that if you were taking a test in, in a, in a, course of theology, you'd put the right answer on the test, but it doesn't mean it alters how you feel. It doesn't mean it alters your life experience. Before we're ready to pray the way Jesus taught, listen, Jesus taught us to pray in a way. Remember, that's not asking God to do things. It's not begging for God to think. It's not trying to be all spiritual and make a lot of noise and, and, and based on how long you pray or any of those kinds of things. It's, it's a process whereby you establish God's perfect will in your life. And as a result of doing that, your needs are met, your desires are fulfilled, you avoid temptation, you avoid sin, you, you live the quality of life that Jesus has died to give you. And the amazing thing is, not one time in the way Jesus taught us to pray 
did he tell us to ask for any of those things? Listen, this is, this is a revolutionary approach to prayer. Not revolutionary because it's unscriptural. Not revolutionary because it's not in the Bible. It's revolutionary because we've refused for 2,000 years to consider that what Jesus said for us to do is actually what we can do. You see, most people approach God for more of a servant's mentality. Or if they're approaching Him as a son, they're approaching Him as a child, not a son who has who has full rights and privileges, not a son who is, recognizes that, that he is an heir of God, not a son who recognizes that he is loved and accepted uh, you know, by his father, not a son who understands his father's attributes. Now, I want, I want to tell you something. We, as children of God, if, if we admire our father, if we look up to our heavenly father, if we embrace our Heavenly Father, then we're going to want to be like Him. You know something? I, I know so many people that growing up, you know, if they had a good father, they, they wanted to be like their father. And if they had a good father, their father schooled them, their father developed them, their father taught them things so that, so that particularly in the, in the Hebrew days, when everybody grew up in their father's business, whatever their father's trade was, was pretty much what the son's trade became. And so those sons were discipled by the father. They were developed. They were taught. So they knew how their father wanted everything done. They knew the desires intention, and intentions of their father. So they never really were trying to figure out how the father would want to do this, what the father would do next, what they could expect from their father, because they knew him. They had been trained. They had been equipped by him. And I want you to understand something. You are not ready to enter into any kind of realm of prayer as Jesus taught it until you have connected to God as your father in a way that you don't feel like a slave. You don't feel like a servant. You don't feel like that you're having to beg him to do things for you uh, because, in fact, you already know what his intentions are. You already know what his desires are, and you know who you are in relationship to him. So as a son, you know that you can declare certain things to be done, and in fact, they're going to get done because you know who you are. You know the Father. You know, when Jesus would say, the words I give to you, they're the same words Father would give to you. We can do that if we, if, if we know God, if we know who He is, if we're allowing Him to develop us and to train us, if we're walking with Him. So, so we're talking about before you ever try to move into that place of, of uh, manifesting power and authority, you've got to be clear on who the Father is, who you are to Him, and what His will is in the situation. Y'all never forget when I first got saved. Hadn't, hadn't been saved very long, but I, fortunately, and you've heard me say this many times, I had read the New Testament all the way through probably several times before I ever went to church the first time because I was determined. I'd been around enough religious people that I knew religious people all had a bunch of different ideas, I knew they had a lot of crazy ideas, and I knew they had a lot of crazy concepts about God, and I didn't want to believe anything about God that was not in the Bible, and I'm still the same way. If it is not in the Bible, 
I'm not interested in it. If it's not in the Bible, it is not truth. If it is not in the Bible, then you have no reason to believe it. And sadly, um, so much of what we believe is not in the Bible. So much of how we interpret the Bible is based on philosophical things that are not in the Bible. So I want it to know God. I want to understand Him. So uh, <clears throat> my pastor asked me to go with him one time to visit a lady who just found out she had cancer. she just just been diagnosed. And so he, I meet him at the church, and we're driving to this lady's house. And uh, I just asked him, I, I, said, I said, Brother Nelson, let me ask you, if we get here and this woman asks us to pray for her to get healed, what are you going to do? Well, you know, I was asking that question not because at that time I'd ever had anybody ask me that question. I was asking it because... I thought we were supposed to minister like Jesus. You know, the Bible says, He that believes on me, the works I do, shall he do and also and greater than these, because I go to my Father. So I thought, we're supposed to be ministering like Jesus ministered. So I got to figure out, because this I respected this man. I knew he knew more about God than I knew. And so I'm like, I, I, I want to know what we're going to do if she asks this. You know, I'll never forget this man that I loved and respected and, and trusted and learned so much from. You know, he sat quietly for a few minutes, then he, he was driving, he turned and looked at me very serious, and he said, Jim, if she asks us to pray for her to get healed, before we can do that, we're going to have to pray and ask God if it's His will for her to be healed. Well, you know something? I thought, I thought you know, that's a pretty good answer. I, that, that, sounds, that sounds pretty good. Now, I'm sitting there thinking about it, but as I'm thinking about it, using Jesus as my model, I'm thinking, you know, I don't remember Jesus ever asking God if it was His will for Him to heal any of those people. So how did He know? Well, of course, He was Jesus. You know what? Well, you know something? Jesus didn't ask if it was God's will because He knew it was God's will. As a matter of fact, in most of those situations, didn't, Jesus didn't pray for God to do anything. He spoke to the person. He spoke to them and told them, commanded them to be healed, and they chose to respond or not respond. He wasn't praying to see if he could get God to heal people. He was healing the sick. That's what, that's what we're supposed to be doing, healing the sick like, like he did. By the way, let me just mention this to you. If you enjoy these uh, Impact Cyber Church broadcasts, be sure if you're watching this on uh, on YouTube to, to like this, just take just a second right now and click on here and like this because if you like this, thousands of people are going to get to see this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you an opportunity again at the end of the show. But if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. This helps me reach more people than you can imagine. So that's just a way for you to help me touch other people's lives. All right. So, you know, again, I've struggled through a lot of this, but my understanding is Jesus is the model. It, so ministry should look like what Jesus did. Uh, teaching, dealing with God should look like what Jesus did. So the basis from which Jesus functioned in this way was rooted in a couple of things. Number one, it was rooted in the fact that he knew the word of God. And I'm going to tell you something, that's the number one problem that's missing today. We don't know the Word of God. We are not stable 
I am steadfast in the new covenant of God. Therefore, uh, just like the children of Israel did, we limit the Holy One of Israel. We limit how much God can manifest in our lives because we are not sure of the covenant. I don't even meet, I have asked thousands and thousands of Christians if, if they knew what the new covenant was. And unless you've heard me or a handful of other preachers in, in America or around the world, very few believers even know it's called the covenant of peace. And, and, and you know, I'll ask them, do you have a covenant with God? They'll say, yes. No, you don't. Jesus has a covenant with God. You say, what's all this got to do with prayer? This, this really tells us what we can be sure of. God made the covenant with Jesus, therefore it is sure, it's fixed, it's, it's stable, it is unmovable, it doesn't change even if I mess up or somebody else messes up because the covenant is not with us, it's with Jesus. And we are in Him. And He is in us. And the gifts that work in us and the power that flows through us is the life and the power of God, the resurrection life and resurrection power of God. So, See, we have to know who we are. We have to know that we're sons, that we're heirs, that we're not slaves. We're not trying to earn a place with God. We have to know that all the Father has was given to the Lord Jesus, and we share all that He has. We have to know that He loves us like a father. You know, um, uh, let me just mention this real quick. Like In this series, On Earth As It Is In Heaven, I'm going to tell you this is going to be one of the most effective series on prayer probably the most effective series on prayer you have ever heard in your entire life. And it is going to change everything about how you pray. Not just everything about how you pray when you have prayer time, but everything about how you pray when you're on the move. Everything about how you pray when you're ministering to somebody who has a need in their life. Everything about how you connect to God personally and how you connect the world to God and how you bring uh, the kingdom of God into your life. Not trying to get God to do it, but you knowing how to do it and knowing how to make this work. As a matter of fact, you know, I have taught on New Covenant prayer. I don't even know how many times over the years. And the more I've grown in this subject, the more I've, I've updated, revised, and expanded this. And I promise you, this is, this is going to be different than anything you've ever heard me teach on this. Not different in that it contradicts what I taught before, different in that there's so much added to it that it's just beyond uh, imagination. And I've completely revised the prayer organizer. And as long as this series is being offered, which is going to be all of January for a couple of weeks in February, we have an incredible special for you on this. So be sure and check that out. And uh, if you're not, if you're, if you're not watching this on our website, or if you're not watching this on YouTube, go to www.impactministries.com and you'll be able to uh, uh, download this series and start on tonight. And I'll tell you, you get all kinds of information and details that are going to help you far beyond anything that uh, uh, you'll even be able to get in these broadcasts, even though, even though I'm going to give you as much as you possibly can. Listen, you remember the parable of the talents? And there were these three servants where the king comes in and says, here, here's you so many talents, you know, go out and do business and multiply, gain ground. Another servant comes in, he says, here, here's you so many talents, go out and do business. And finally there was one that came in, he says, here, here's you one talent. And this talent represents uh, money. It was, it was, a, it was a, a amount, an amount of money that they were supposed to go do business with. Well, the first one goes out and he says, man, you know, I went out and, you know, you gave me whatever, five talents. I've, look, I've got 10 talents. Woohoo! And he says, well done, faithful servant, enter into the glory, you know. And then the, the next one probably comes in and says, I don't remember if it's two or three talents. He says, and I've got four or six talents. All right, well done, faithful servant. And so then that last one comes in that only received one talent. He said, look, here, I've got this single talent, the one that you gave me. I didn't lose it. 
And he says, well, what happened? He said, well, listen, I knew you were hard. I knew you reaped where you didn't sow. I knew you were, you were a hard taskmaster, and I was afraid that I might lose it, so I just buried it in the ground. And see, the reaction that the, that the master had to this, this servant wasn't about the fact that he didn't go make uh, uh, growth with his one talent. It was about the fact that he didn't know his master and he projected onto his master his own wicked imaginations about him. See, that's the way we are with God. We project our own religious imagination onto God and assume that's who God is. And because we don't know who God is, and therefore we can't know who we are as sons, then we don't know how to function and represent him as a son here on earth, just like Jesus did. I'm not saying that whether we're the son of God like Jesus was. We're our sons of God, though. You know, in Matthew 7, 7 through 12, he says, ask, keep on asking, and it's going to be given. Seek, keep on seeking, you're going to find. Knock, keep on knocking, and it's going to be open to you. He, you know, he, he goes to this thing. Then in verse 9, he says something. He says, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good th things to those who ask Him? Now, I want you to understand something. Most of us don't know our Heavenly Father well enough to know what He's going to give us when we ask for bread. We're not sure if He's going to give us bread or a stone. Most of us don't know God well enough to know. If I ask him, if I ask him for a fish, is he going to give me a fish or a serpent? How many times have you ever heard somebody say that they, they didn't want to do something? They said, but I, but I don't want to say that because if I do, God might make me do it. Or I don't want God to know I want this because then, then, then he won't let me have it. See, either we were raised by wicked, evil parents, and so many people today have been, raised by parents that brutalize them, take advantage of them, and we project that onto God, or we think we're kinder than God. Listen, Jesus says before you're ready to get into the type of prayer, and remember the type of prayer, not praying like you think, not praying like you say, not praying like you've heard, I promise you. It's different than you ever imagined, but it's biblical. It's absolute. You're, you're going to love every step of this. He's saying, before you even get to any of this other stuff, you've got to be in a place where you know your father. You know when you ask him for bread, he's not just going to give you bread. He's going to give you bread and butter. <laughs> he's not just going to give you fish. He's going to give you fish and a baked potato. You know, I always think about the children of Israel. You know, they got hunt, Moses got honey from the rock out in the middle of the desert. By the way, uh, there have been archaeological findings that have identified exactly where that, where that happened. We know where that happened and that it actually happened. But here's the amazing thing. God says in the Psalms, I would have given you honey from the rock. God is so much better than we've ever imagined. But sadly, we don't know him that way. Because religion has lied to us so very much. And this is one of the reasons why this series on earth as in heaven is so important because I'm going to walk you through so many dimensions of this. And by the way, just shortly, we'll have the book, which will even go into more detail, and the, and the workshop, which I think everybody needs to participate in. So be looking for that. And if you, and if you order 
this special we have this month, you'll get you'll get uh, the series and the new updated prayer organizer, and then I'll send you information about the book as soon as it's going to be released. I want to tell you something. This is the starting place of everything. Know God. That's what Jesus said. This this is eternal life to know God and Jesus whom he has sent. Take just a couple of minutes, if you real real quick like, and uh, uh, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and I'll be talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.